Today's episode is brought to you by Five Line Designs. Bring your brand to light with Five Line at fivelinedesigns.com. Here at Five Line, we like to ask, what can we do for you? We're here to help you and your business grow from all angles. Whether it's building the voice of your brand, redesigning your assets, or building out a website, Five Line is here to help you step your game up and beat out the competition. No matter what stage you're in, whether you're just starting or you've been up and running for many years, make your next move your best move by working with Five Line. You won't regret it. Schedule a meeting to see what we can do for you today at fivelinedesigns.com. Welcome to the Business Grind, where we give you an inside perspective on what it takes to start, build, and run a successful business. Here are your hosts, Danny Shaw and Sean Michael Wellington. Hello to everyone in podcast land today. Thanks for joining us. Sean, how are you feeling? Feeling great and happy to have a new guest on this week. Yes, indeed. All right. So today's guest, everyone, we have Linya Floyd, life coach. Uh, slash author slash I don't know what else other titles I know she has a lot I'll let her uh, take it the rest of the way uh, hey hello Alenia thanks for joining us how are you doing hey guys thank you so much for having me this is the highlight of my day I can't wait to dig in <laughs> all right thank you so <laughs> let's dig in what outside of life coach and author entrepreneur as well what how do you introduce yourself to uh, your audience and you know, people that you meet in the, in the streets. Yeah, so it depends on who I'm talking to, basically. <laughs> but um, I do wear a lot of different hats. So you're, you're spot on. I'm a life coach. Technically, I tell people that I'm a national board certified integrative health coach. Uh, and I have clients, uh, I've had clients all over the world, you know, in the United States, in Australia, all over the place. And I am a writer. So I do ghost writing for people I can't tell you about because it's a secret. Uh, and I also do writing as a freelance journalist. I've been published in Glamour and Essence and Parents and Prevention and Cosmopolitan and Money Magazine. And I am also a media coach. Uh, in fact, I'm the senior media coach for a course uh, called Impacting Millions. It's run by Selena Sue, uh, an entrepreneur, uh, an amazingly talented entrepreneur. So that's a lot of different hats. Uh-huh. <laughs> I tell people, I think uh, i some people would say that I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur, but at the end of the day, I just think of myself as a really impassioned storyteller. I mean, everything that I do from the life coaching, which is really about people trying to rewrite their life stories and you know change the next chapter of their life to the ghostwriting and freelancing and the coaching, which is also helping people find their stories. Um, it's, it's all about storytelling. So now I know we're going to dig into the specifics, but I just kind of want to get an overall sense as a multipreneur, as you put it, how do you manage everything and give your all to each venture that you work on? You know what I mean? That is an incredible question. And the answer comes down to one word. It is about boundaries. It's about figuring out, okay, what is the optimal number of clients that I can take on uh, in a given day or in a given week or in a given month? Um, am I going to write a freelance story this month or am I going to be working on my ghostwriting? It's all about figuring out what the right levels are for you. And it's so interesting. There's um, an entrepreneur's uh, 
a guy named Jim Quick. He wrote a book called Limitless that I've been reading, and uh, he's a memory expert. Um, but one of the things that he talks about is the fact that there aren't, like, people talk about, like, life balance and, like, balancing on a beam. And he's like, it's not a balance, it's like a symphony. You know, he's like, there are all these different instruments and, you know, sometimes it's going to be, you know, the violin solo, sometimes it's going to be the drums, sometimes it's going to be um, the cello, but it's like everything is kind of happening together. And that really, when I read that in his book, that really resonated with me so beautifully because there are so many things that I'm passionate about and because I'm a creative spirit and because I <laughs> also used to play the violin, I was like, that's it. It's all these things and figuring out how to find the balance, right? Um, between all of them in that symphony, in that orchestra, in that piece that is ultimately your life. Now, do you have a favorite instrument then? Oh, great question. So I played the violin for almost 10 years. Um, I started playing when I was five. And so I'm, I'd have to say that I would lean towards the violin. No, no, no. I meant the figurative sense. <laughs> but that's great to know. But I meant in the analogy, running with your analogy, do you have out of all the things you do? Um, that's like asking favorite? somebody what their favorite child, who their favorite child is. <laughs> That's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm passionate about all of them. Um, I spend a lot of my time in the coaching sphere, so doing the media coaching and doing the life coaching. So those two would be my my quiet favorites, I guess I would say. Um, but I love all of them. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm passionate about all of them. They all have different beautiful aspects to them. Um, and they've all supported me in amazing ways. So it's really hard to just pick to just pick one. But I do spend the majority of my time doing my coaching. Okay, very nice. All right. She gave the, the, the correct, the, you know, the, the, P, the PR friendly answer. All right. So before we dive, you know, a little bit more into all your endeavors, you know, let's, yeah. let's step back a little bit to kind of paint the picture on how you got here, right? Because I, I, I first met Linya, Linya uh, way many moons ago at 135 West 50th Street, right? So, um, <laughs> and you were, you were working corporate America, yes? Correct. Uh, right, uh, I don't want, I really don't want to do you a disservice, but what was your role and your title and what were you doing work-wise? So I, when we met, or when I made my transition. I mean, when oh. we when we met, I knew you as a writer, but I'm, yes. I'm not to oversimplify it. I believe you was the head of a certain department division. Right. <laughs> yes. So right. yes, we met. Uh, I was the health editor at um, at Essence Magazine, and in my magazine career, I you know I've spent almost 20 years working in magazines, lots of different titles um, from, you know, I was at 17, I was at Heart and Soul, I was at Glamour, I was at um, Parenting, and always talking to women, um, always talking about health, but addressing women at different stages in their lives. And I was extremely, I still am, I still write uh, health pieces for various magazines and online outlets. Uh, and it was something that I was extraordinarily passionate about. I spent a lot of time studying and learning how to be a good writer, how to be a great editor, how to find great story ideas, um, all those wonderful things. Uh, from Essence, I moved on to another magazine, uh, Family Circle. And what I love about magazines was the tremendous impact that you can have on people's lives. I mean, at Family Circle, uh, we at one point had 18 million readers. Um, I can't even remember how many millions of black women read Essence, but um, 
and also at Family Circle, I had these amazing opportunities to be on television um, as a health expert. So I was on the Today Show, and I was on the Dr. Oz Show, and um, the Doctors, and you know NPR. And it's incredible to just be in this position where you are able to reach millions of people with, at sometimes life-saving advice. We would honestly get magazines and calls, um, sorry, we'd get letters and calls into the magazines where people would say, wow, I'm so glad that you wrote that story. I had no idea what was wrong with me until I read that piece. Or uh, I wasn't going to go get a mammogram this year, but I read that story and they caught something. And so you could feel the impact that you would have on people. And it was absolutely amazing. Uh, but I did get to a point where I was just kind of thinking, okay, this is great. How could I have an even bigger impact though? And I was in this position where I was kind of, ironically, for somebody who uh, is now a life coach, uh, I was in this position where I was feeling a little stuck. And I was just like, what's next? What comes after this? You know, I was um, a health director at a huge women's magazine. I was like, okay, there's not a lot of other places to go, you know, up the ladder from here. And it's tough to get those spots. So what comes next? And um, Danny and I had an amazing uh, managing editor, <laughs> who I will not name because I think she would be embarrassed. Um, but she always told me some, she told me lots of advice that I'll never forget. But one thing that she said was never leave any money on the table um, before you leave a job. And so before I, you know, before I, I was like, okay, all right. So before I even think about stepping out here, what am I going to do? Like, what are some benefits that I haven't used? <laughs> and so um, my job had continuing education benefits. And so I used those to get my life coaching certification from Duke Integrative Medicine down in North Carolina. And uh, I had heard about the course through um, a, a writer that I'd been working with at the time who had gone down there. And in, in very New York fashion, I was like, oh, well, I'm, I can find some place in New York. This is New York. We have everything. I'll just go someplace here. But then I started doing my homework and it turned out, I was like, oh no, Duke actually has the best program. So I'm going to need to get on a get on a plane and get some Airbnb and get an Airbnb and, you know, um, hop to get some of my vacation days together and make this happen. And so um, over the course of the next year, I got my certifications through them. And then I just started coaching people in my spare time, you know, nights and weekends, never really, never overlapping um, at all, but really getting it's like dipping your toe in the water. Like a lot of entrepreneurs that I, I talk to, uh, you know, jump in, right. And then learn how to swim. But this, for me, this process was like dipping my toe in the water and getting to have both getting to enjoy kind of both pools before I entirely jumped into the, into the pool of entrepreneurship. Um, if you will, you know, you hear this phrase, right? The best time to start was yesterday, you know, and then right. the next best time is now. Right. I was very <laughs> lucky in that I got to start yesterday, right? So I had both things going on and I could do this coaching on the side, even with the ghost writing. I mean, that started long before I left my job. Um, just kind of putting my name out there with some different agents and getting small projects, right? That then got bigger and then got bigger. Uh, and so being able to do these little things and have them, you know, fund other passions in the meantime, right? So that's like extra income. Yay. We're going to throw this money here and savings or whatever was really awesome. Um, and so I just kept doing more of that and more of that until I got to this point 
where my job was getting in the way of my passions. Mm. And I was waking up at four o'clock in the morning. I actually wrote a blog post about this. Mm. I was waking up at 4 a.m. and I was like, I'm gonna work on my side projects from like four to eight, then I'm gonna take a shower, then go to work, then I'm gonna come back, you know, and do things tonight and then da da da. And I was like, this is not sustainable. And it's weird that I wanna be in my office at home doing, and I say weird in quotation marks, like doing this stuff instead of what I'm doing between nine and five. And that was the, that was the cue. That was the signal in my brain that it's like, it's now it's time to, to dive in. You were one of the first people that I knew who was a life coach, but then I noticed like it just started popping up. A lot of people were life coaches all of a sudden. Right. Um, yeah. And to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get my certification through Duke. Um, You know, a lot of people jump up and they're like, I'm a life coach, but they, you know, they haven't taken a course anywhere. They've taken a random course somewhere. Um, And I really wanted to be able to stand out from the very crowded sea of life coaches that were out there. So I was just like, okay, I want to go to the best school for this that I can find. I want to get my certification from the national board. I was in one of the first groups to take that national exam, which was a trip because it, that took me way back to the SATs and the GREs because you are in that room with that silencing headphones, the noise canceling headphones on. And it's just like, it's just you and like, I think it was like five or six hours long um, just taking a test and so I really wanted to do whatever I could to stand out from the crowd because it is a crowded field and it was something that it continues to be something that I'm really passionate about it was great and it continues to be great writing for magazines I love it and I know how many eyeballs get onto the stories that I write and I know that sometimes People will read a story about something. This happens all the time on Facebook. They'll read a story about something. It could be about anything. It could be about politics. It could be about social justice. It could be about anything. But they'll read a health and wellness story, and somehow that will fill enough. They'll be like, oh, man, okay. Now I know what I need to do about exercise, or now I know what I need to do about vitamin D. But to take action is a whole other ballgame. And that's where the health coaching comes in. That's where the integrative health coaching comes in. There'll be people listening to this podcast. They're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get my business started. I want to get my business started. But the actual taking of action is the difference between like wanting and thinking and hoping and wishing and actually claiming that thing that you want. Mm -hmm. And that's what I wanted to help people with. And that sometimes takes that one-on-one relationship that's that people have with a coach and the accountability that comes from that, the self-exploration that comes from that. I mean, everybody who's listening, uh, who is already an entrepreneur and people who are thinking about it, um, who are listening to this podcast, um, are about to find out, you know, there's so much mindset that goes into being an entrepreneur. There is so much that you learn about yourself that you will never figure out, you know, sitting behind a desk in somebody else's office working for somebody else. And so a lot of the life coaching process that I, you know, work with people on and take them through has to do with getting them to take that action, has to do with that self-discovery process, has to do with figuring out what works for you and what does not work for you and connecting the dots so that you can get to that place of success hopefully much faster that you deserve to be in. And I had never, you know, I had heard about life coaching before I actually did the program, but I didn't know a ton about it until I started researching the different programs and seeing what kinds of 
what kind of impact you can really have on someone's life um, just over the course of, you know, eight, eight coaching calls, you know, eight hour long coaching calls, you know, the dramatic change that you can help spark in someone's life. And it's helping because really it's um, like the work that I do, it really is all of my clients. Like they're doing, they're doing the work I'm helping. They're in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat, reminding them of where they said they wanted the car to go and the best routes that we can take to get there. Like GPS. Could you speak more to just the process behind even making the life coach a business? Was it more like I have a few clients and how did you get those clients? Were you advertising your service? You know, how did you advertise your services to people? I'm sure there may have been some people who may not have been aware of what a life coach is and how it could benefit them. Like how did that come about putting your overall package and image together? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it comes back to what I was tapping into, but didn't really delve into before about taking action. So even, uh, you know, this takes me back to the last day, like our graduation day, um, from, uh, from Duke. And I was kind of like sitting around with some of my fellow, um, graduates and we were all talking about our next steps and I was like wow I it didn't even it actually didn't even occur to me but I had lined up all of these next steps like I was like let's go let's do this let's do this um whereas other people were kind of like still thinking and figure some things out and I was just like no 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 no. I got the domain name you know I got you know I've got the photo shoot lined up and I'm not you know what I do want to step back and say for a second is you don't have to have a lot of money to get a business started uh, I was not like I, I put it, it's, I, it was a lot of work with a lot of time, but like I did my own website. I got a photo shoot for, um, for the photos for the website off of like Groupon. It was like super cheap. You know, I was doing <laughs> retouching through Fiverr again, super cheap. You know, there are lots of budget ways that you can get yourself up and running, but creating an online presence is like building block number one. Right. Because when you tell people about your business, they're going to go online and they're going to Google you and they're going to want to find out information. And you got to have at least the bare minimum up there, some kind of presence. You know, word of mouth is great and can do wonders. But ultimately, people want to see something. Well, they want to see some testimonials. They want to see, you know, you lay out what you do. They want to see you since they're going to be working with you ultimately. So creating that online presence was really important for me. And I know that there are probably like some demipreneurs out there who, you know, kind of doing what I was doing, you know, you've got your full-time job, but you're also, you know, doing some coaching or something else on the weekends and whatnot. And that is a great time to get all those building blocks in place so that when you do make that leap, you are good to go and all the kinks have been worked out, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I did was telling people what I was doing. <laughs> and it's really funny because I actually wrote um, about this on my on my website. Um, I think I called it the number one way that we crush our own dreams. But there are so many people out here who are not talking about what they do. And if you don't tell people, how are they going to know? If I wasn't out there telling people, oh, by the way, I just got my certification. I'm a life coach now. You know, if you know anybody who needs any coaching, you know, please pass them my way. Here's my website. Here's, I did have business cards at the time. I was like, here's my card. Like being ready for those opportunities is huge. Um, a third thing that was really helpful to me was 
getting into a circle of other coaches. So once I, you know, started, you know, going to like networking events for other coaches and that kind of thing, like you'll find people who like maybe they have too many people on their plate, right? They're like, I can't take any more clients on, but I'll refer them to you, you know, and uh, you know, if I, when I get overwhelmed, I'll refer people to you. If there's somebody who doesn't fit into my area of expertise, I can refer them over to you. And that's another really great way, like building up a network of people uh, who are in your industry and being able to support each other is another great thing that you can do. Um, I feel like because, and you know, I'm just going to totally be honest, because I already had a full-time job and I was doing this on the weekends, like I could be generous with my pricing. After I left, that price shot up and that, that's totally fine. <laughs> but, it, you know, and when I was starting off, I could be very generous with my pricing and that's beneficial to everybody. That's like a win-win all around, right? Because I was able to get more clients because it was more affordable. I was able to get people who couldn't necessarily afford um, coaching as well, which I figured out other ways to, to compensate for down the line. Um, and it enables you to get referrals, right? And it, uh, it enables you to get testimonials also, right? You can incentivize referrals. You can get testimonials for your website. And it gets you up on your skills, right? So if I compared my first coaching call to my 300th coaching call, those two calls are going to be light years apart, right? But that's the practice that you need in order to build that confidence and get yourself out there and be able to up your, up your skills essentially so it was a combination of kind of all of those things to, to get the ball rolling and rolling and rolling um, to the point where I was like okay now I got it now I gotta do something <laughs> now, now, now it's now starting to take that leap you mentioned something which I want to expand on and it was kind of like uh, a question I had immediately it's for a person who's in a service business um, there's only one of you right there's only one coach and you only have so many hours in a day so What's really, from a business side of things, a growth strategy for a life coach? Because is it raising your prices through higher end clientele? Because it seems like volume isn't the answer. You can't coach more people to make more money because there's only so many hours in a day and there's only one of you. So what's the growth strategy for a business like yours? So I encourage people to do what feels best for them. So one solution is to raise your prices, which is what I did. Um, another solution is you actually can coach more people as one person. Uh, you just switch over to a group coaching model, which I only do maybe once or twice a year because I really, I'm not kidding you guys. Like I'm super serious when I say that I'm really passionate about like the one-on-one -on -one relationships that I can have with people and as a part of the life coaching and as a part of the media coaching that I do also. And so it's not my favorite thing, but it creates a lot. It, it does two things, right? It creates accessibility for people who might not ordinarily be able to afford your pricing. Um, and it also enables you to take on more people um, at once. So you could be on a call with 10 people, for example, um, and you said, so now as opposed to 10 calls with one person. And so you can expand, I, I just tell people like, do what feels right for you. I lean more towards the one-on-one -on -one and then just do like the occasional like twice a year group calls. But I know lots of other coaches who only do group calls or, you know, really lean more towards the group calls and do fewer individuals. It's really what's best for you. And then in terms of raising your prices, I mean, what is for a product service is kind of easier to justify that, right? Because you're like, my overhead is this, my profit margin is this. But when you're providing a service, it's almost subjective to the consumer what the value of that service is. So how do you determine how you raise your prices? 
That is such an excellent question. So for me, I decided what my services were worth per hour and just backed into it from there. And I understand what you're saying in terms of the product-based product based services rather than the service-based services. But the thing that you have to remember is that the coaching process is so... Um, it, it's it's so all-encompassing you know when I get on these calls with people um, it is so other focused it is so um, entirely this space that I am holding for this individual that is all about them and I'm throwing all of my energy and all of my intellect into asking the right questions connecting the dots and getting this person to the place that they would like to be and there's a creative drain that happens from that right like at the end of the day you know some of those Saturdays I'd be like Whew. <laughs> I feel like I just ran a marathon right even though I've just been sitting in this office talking to people with a headset on and like taking notes. Um, and so for me and for most people who will be doing this and figuring this out for themselves, it is really about figuring out like what is that time worth to you um, and placing a number on that that feels comfortable, right? And then figuring out if that feels uncomfortable for you because there's certainly like I, um, I'll just be totally honest, like I ran into one situation where there was like a very young person who wanted um, coaching for me who had like just gotten out of college and it's a it's like a very fragile period right because we all go through the schooling process in the states here and it, you know it just kind of leads you from step to step to step to step and then you leave and you have to figure the rest out of the road ends and you've got to pave your own way for yourself um and so this person was really trying to figure out like how do i make the next step and how do i figure out what's right for me and what what what's wrong and it feels like there's these decisions are so weighted because they're really some of the biggest ones i've had to make um and so like somebody just coming out of college might not be able to afford my fee but that's how you hold space for people in like group coaching calls for example or you refer people to other individuals who are maybe getting started um, in their business and have lower fees like I did when I first started so there's lots of different kind of ways around that but the most important thing to remember for me I think uh, if I was going to give advice is you have to pick a number that you can say with confidence. Cause I know a lot of people who are scared. I was just talking to somebody this weekend who, um, an entrepreneur who was really nervous and just like, is this, is this too much to charge? And it's one of those, like, you know, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Like you have to be able to say that number with confidence and know that your skills and your time are worth that amount of time and that you can deliver on that service, that product, but deliver on that service and that it's worth that amount of money. That was, that was some uh, law of attraction. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Yep. You're right. You're, if you're right both ways. Now, have you ever received any pushback on your numbers, you know, from a client? Maybe you had a client at one level and then once you raised your prices, this client was like, well, why am I paying you more? I've never gotten pushback. Um, I've I've had people who, you know, just decided not to work with me and that's okay. I think everybody in Everybody who is experienced or is currently an entrepreneur knows what it's like to have a client that's a nightmare client. And, and they might be a nightmare client sometimes because you set a lower number than you meant to. And now you feel like you are working really, really hard, but you're not making what you earn. Or they're asking you for a million things and you, you know, didn't charge your worth. And now you feel like you're, you know, over delivering, but you're being underpaid. And so, 
you don't want to be in a situation like you want to be able to gel with your clients. You want to be, if you want it to be a win-win for everybody. And if it's, if you're getting pushback, that, that might not be the right person for you to work with. Like that's okay. There's no reason they might, you know, they might, um, need to do some more searching and find somebody who is more in their budget or might align with them more or better rather. Um, so I, I don't think that that's a place to come from with worry because the last thing that you want to do is be like halfway through the process and be like, man, this was a mistake. And I, you know, some of this happens to all of us, right? I came to this with a scarcity mindset and now I have regrets. So yeah, that's something to just be mindful of. You just got to flash for it. I think people think, oh, I got to get all these clients. I have to say yes, 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 yes. But you don't have to say yes all the time. You can think things through. Sometimes something isn't right for you. Sometimes you can refer out a client. You know, I was just talking about referrals. Sometimes you can refer out someone and that's going to serve you better. You're using all the words, all the buzzwords of uh, <laughs> these books that we review and, uh, you know, the scarcity mindset, you know, the law of attraction and a lot. And you already spoke to her earlier as far as just the whole mindset that you have to have before you even do all of this, right? Um, and let me tell you, I was not, none of this was in my vocabulary really? before I jumped, yeah, before I, you know, as part of my runway to um, jumping out into entrepreneurship, I would listen to ebooks. I would download, listen, <laughs> I'll be honest, I wasn't even on Audible yet. I would download them from the library. And I would just be walking down the street and I'd listen to, you know, all of these books and it just opened up a whole new world. Nobody teaches you this. At least I, <laughs> nobody taught me this in college. Nobody taught me this after I, I got out of college, but it wasn't until I started getting interested in this world of life coaching and entrepreneurship that I started reading these books and all of a sudden it just opens up a new way of thinking mm -hmm. for you yeah. that is so critical because there is a shift that has to happen. There is like a lot of this is mindset and there is a shift that has to happen. And I'm just really thankful that, you know, I was listening, listening to those books on the train, on my way to work, on the train, on my way home, going for a run, whatever. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is life changing, right? So, All of this. So, for our audience, if you what what are some of these books that you've read? Oh, you guys are putting me on the spot. I did read. I know you guys did a podcast on Think and Grow Rich. I did. I did read Think and Grow Rich, Playing Big by Tara Moore. That was a really great one. That's really geared towards. Uh, female entrepreneurs though uh, but that had some real gold within it and then the big leap is by gay hendrix and that was another one that was amazing um as well and i just love those but i did i know you guys did the pod uh the episode on thinking grow rich um i listened to that that was in incredible as well just kind of even when i and when i downloaded it i was like this book is how old <laughs> you know how have i not <laughs> heard about this Nobody's ever talked to me about this. Like, what's going on? Right, right. So I just so, want to transition just a sec uh, for a bit. Cause I know we focused on the life coaching uh, aspect of your business. Um, but I want, what? how would you differentiate the life coaching to the media co coaching consultant business? Where's the, the shift there? 
Oh, I'm so glad that you asked me about that. All right. So the life coaching is really very focused on people trying to make wellness changes within their lives. And when I say wellness, I want to be really crystal clear that the model that I follow is not just focused on diet. It's not just focused on exercise. Um, you know, the, the studies that I did at Duke, the practices that we did at Duke, were really talking about wellness from a whole person perspective and from many different um, angles, right? So your health isn't just how much sleep you get or what you eat or how often you exercise. It's also your physical environment and how that impacts you. It's also your relationships and how you communicate with other people. It's your personal and your professional goals. All of those things, you know, we have several different pillars that go into what impacts your health and I work with people on all of those different areas. So yes, there are, there are people who have come to me who um, were having a tough time with um, diabetes and sticking to the plan that they had agreed you know, their doctor with their doctor, this was going to be the most helpful thing for me to do. Or, but there are also a lot of people who come to me who are really stuck with their personal and professional goals, and they can't figure out what 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 comes next, or they can't figure out how to make more time for their personal goals or for their professional goals, or they can't figure out how to, um, you know, have a conversation with their sibling that doesn't end in a fight. Um, so there's lots of different reasons that people come to me for quote unquote life coaching. But the biggest areas tend to be, I think because I'm in New York, um, the biggest areas tend to be personal and professional goals. Um, and then actually, you know, I'd say personal and professional goals is number one. And then like kind of diet and exercise goals that people are trying to, or wellness goals that people are trying to achieve, you know, um, not drinking as much or sm not smoking or that kind of thing. And then mind body connection. That's another pillar that we talk about. Um, and just helping people kind of tune into their bodies more, um, get a meditation practice started, find some more inner inner balance within their lives or get that symphony going within their lives um, and make sure that it's a peaceful one. Um, those tend to be kind of the most popular areas that people like to talk about. So that's very different from the media coaching that I do, which is focused on entrepreneurs who are trying to elevate their profile uh, by appearing more in the media. And so obviously, given my you know, almost two decades background in um, you know, magazines and being on television, uh, really just explaining to people you know, there's a fear that people have around approaching media, which I didn't realize because I was in it. And so I didn't realize that people were nervous about reaching out to the media and that they didn't know how to, right? Because I would sit at work and get pitch letters all day long. And I'm like, oh, people know how to do this. No, people don't know how to pitch the media. So the work that I do, um, it works. It's a I'm the senior media coach for Impacting Millions at Selena C's program, and I do group coaching calls with people and kind of lead them through the process and, you know, help critique, um, you know, pitches or ideas that they'll come up with. Um, but I also work one-on-one -on -one with clients who are really just trying to figure out, okay, um, I, don't I don't have a media bio, and what do I do with my media bio? Where does that go? You know, what I, you know, I don't know, what, I don't know what to say if somebody was going to interview me on television. You know, what are my talking points, or what are some ideas um, that I could, you know, get down on paper? Or what do I do if I get asked to be on a podcast? Like, what does that entail? How do I put my best foot forward? And a lot of people want to, right? Like, theoretically, be in the media spotlight because they know how 
impactful it can be, right? Like you've even, you've had people on the show who were like, yeah, I did this one story and all of a sudden my sales shot through the roof, right? So people know the power that the media has. And like back in the day, like I know you remember this, Danny, like, you know, Oprah would come out with her, you know, list of favorite things for mm-hmm. Christmas and it would sell out before the issue hit the newsstand. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so... You know, it's really empowering to be within the media because you get that spotlight on your business and then the business comes to you, right? You don't feel like you're constantly like hustling out there trying to get clients or trying to sell your product, but it can also be really intimidating. And trust and believe, I have seen people get incredible media opportunities, sitting on my couch, watching them on daytime television. And I'm like, that person has had no coaching, right? They're doing all the wrong things. Like they're doing all the wrong things and nobody's going to buy that book or nobody's going to buy that product, right? Because you need to you need to know how to present yourself when you do get that spotlight um, shown on you. And I think as much as people want it, there's also some fear around, okay, what happens if I actually get that? And so I'm the bridge between, between those two things by getting rid of that fear. And a lot of, as with a lot of things in life, right? You can get rid of that fear with um, education, right? And one of the biggest, like that was a huge fear for me when I first started doing television. Before I used to, back at like way back in the day, like we had a media person at my magazine job and she would ask me almost all the time, like every other week, I felt like she was standing in the doorway of my office and she was like, do you want to do this TV segment? Do you want to do this TV segment? And I would just come up with reasons to say no, because I was so nervous. Um, I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to represent my brand, but I was like, I'm so nervous. Like, what if I say the wrong thing? What if somebody asks me a question and I can't answer it? Like, what am I going to do? I don't want to embarrass myself, so I'm not going to do anything. And it wasn't until I started working with a media coach and learned what you do in those situations that I was able to get that confidence and say, okay, let's do this. I'm ready. Um, and then once I did it, I was just like, I love this. This is so awesome. This is so fun. Like, I'm talking to Al Roker. Like, this is great. <laughs> and so I think that part of it is education, right? I help people see. I pull back the curtain. I'm like, this is what's going on behind the scenes. This is what you need to know. And then the other part is action. I know we keep talking about that, but, like, taking action is the cure for so many things. And taking action is, you know, something that we're really big on uh, in Impacting Millions and also in the one-on-one coaching that I do with people uh, and so that cures that fear as well and helps you move forward with that process so that's those are they're two very different things they're both coaching but they're they're very different things so I want to go back to how many different um, things you have on your plate and how do you manage the books for all these different business ventures are you a financial person you know naturally are you a financial person naturally or do you have some do you outsource it to an accountant you trust and you let them handle it is it a mix of both like how do you handle the numbers for all these different ventures so i learned very quickly although it took me a minute to take action that you really need to ask for help and outsource the things that you are not great at, right? That are not your zone of, not that I'm bad at numbers, but that are not your zone of genius, really. Because there are are other people who have figured it out 
and there's no need for you to reinvent the wheel <laughs> or to try and come up with, you know, try to figure it out on your own. Like there are people who know what to do and you can outsource that to them and then you can stay in your zone of genius. I didn't become an entrepreneur because I wanted to spend all day like crunching numbers and figuring out, you know, you know, how to make things work and who I owe to and, you know, how much taxes I'm going to pay and what, you know, should I be an LLC or should I be something else? Like, I became an entrepreneur because I wanted to have more time for these things that I was really passionate about. This is about storytelling. This isn't about crunching numbers. So I outsource um, almost all of that, <laughs> but I am very good at keeping track of things, but I outsource uh, almost all of that because that's not what I want to be spending my time doing. No, that totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, definitely. But so let's just talk about it from an entity perspective. Right. So you have someone outsourcing the numbers, but, you know, from an entity, assuming, you know, what how did you go about saying, OK, well, I'm doing this on the side, but now I need to create, you know, the LLC or the S Corp or, and, you know, some type of legal binding entity as I move forward with this business. Yeah, I was like I, I went online and I started Googling and trying to go through these, you know, everybody had like a little quiz that you could take or this that you could take to find out more information. And I just went, I found myself going down these rabbit holes like late at night. And again, I was just like, this isn't what I want to be spending my time doing. Like, I don't know, I'm not a lawyer. So I called a lawyer, <laughs> I made an appointment and I called a lawyer and I was like, okay, here's what I'm doing. How do I set this up? What do I need to do? I, I, you know, you can give me a checklist of things that I need to do and I'll go execute that. And some of that I outsourced as well. Um, but I was just like, I don't, I don't even know what's going to be best for me. You tell me, um, because it really, that was not, that's not my expertise. So I went to people that I knew had that as an expertise and I was thankful that I was already, um, dipping my toes into these coaching waters that I could just call somebody or shoot an email to, you know, another coach and say, Hey, listen, um, you know, can you recommend somebody that I can talk to you about X, Y, and Z? Um, I also was a part. So in addition to the coaching circles that I got into here in New York city, also, um, the school that I went to, Duke Integrative Medicine, they were really good about creating, um, actually we created like a Facebook page where everybody could keep in touch and you could ask questions of each other, right? So everybody's kind of in the same boat because we just graduated from this course. So it's like, okay, we're all trying to figure out some of the same things at the same time. And so we're sharing information about who we talk to. <laughs> and listen, I didn't like the person that I talked to uh, I can't remember where she, uh, I think she was in Georgia. I think she was, uh, in Georgia. So it wasn't even a matter of, I need somebody in New York city. It's like, Oh, you know, you get on the internet, you can, you can talk to anybody as long as they know their stuff and come recommend it. So I, it just went back to the outsourcing, the talking to people, not feeling like you have to reinvent the wheel. Um, and just, making sure that you're saving time for the things that you want to be doing, not the things that you don't um, have, I really don't have time for. Okay. So you're good at time management and it seems like you're good at delegating. Um, so I got to ask you the typical interview question. What's your weakness? <laughs> so my weakness is saying no, I'm not good at saying no. I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working on the subtle art of saying no. I'm getting better at it. 
but it's taking some process. It's ta it's taking some time, uh, and I'm and I am working on the time management because it is a lot to juggle. And so creating, I'm a, you know, I've created my own job, and so I've created these little formulas in my head. For example, like I won't do any two of those things. I won't do more than two of those things in one given day because um, it's a very like everything that I do is very creatively. Um, and emotionally driven. And even if I'm not, you know, out here, you know, doing physical labor, like the mental labor can be exhausting because I want to give 110% to my clients and have that energy for them. And also, you know, doing so much of what I do online, you know, the sound of your voice really does matter, right? And the, you know, and what you bring to a call or what you bring to a video call really does matter. So, um, I, you know, I create these little formulas in my head of, okay, well, I'm not going to do, you know, more than two, two of these things in a given day. And, you know, I'm going to save my energy for X, Y, and Z on this day. But, you know, on this day, I'll do such and such. Or if I have like a really big project, okay, I'm going to do, start working on that in the morning because that's when my creative energy is going to be at its height. Whereas maybe in the evening, I might be a little bit more tired. And so just really understanding, I think it goes back to this self-discovery process that happens when you become an entrepreneur, like understanding my rhythms so that I can make sure that I stay in pace with that, that dance that I'm doing throughout the week or throughout the month or what have you. Um, but yes, the one thing that I would work, would do need to work on is saying no. And the beautiful part about saying no is, um, I am getting better at it, first of all. Uh, but second of all, you don't always have to say no to say no. <laughs> Which um, has just happened to me recently. Um, I had somebody who wanted some media coaching um, help, and um, I knew that it's it was just way too big of a project. Um, but I was able to refer her to somebody else, and it wasn't even a no. It was like, hold on, let me think about it, and let me get back to you, right? Mm -hmm. And then I thought of two people that would be totally perfect for that, and I was like, okay. Um, I emailed her the next day and I was like, here are two amazing people. I can't recommend them, you know, highly enough. They're going to be exactly what you're looking for because I don't really do exactly what it is you're looking for. And, you know, let me know how it goes. And that's a win for everybody, right? Because she's going to get exactly what she's looking for. Um, the two people that I recommended were amazing. Either of them would be fantastic at that job and, and, and that would be great for them. And then I can, you know, make sure that I stay focused on the things that I've committed myself myself to. Um, the other thing that I've learned how to say is not yet uh, or, or not right now. And that worked really beautifully to my advantage uh, last month when I got, uh, when I was offered a really big assignment that I really, really wanted to do a uh, freelance writing piece. And I just had to say, this sounds amazing, but I can't do it in the time frame that you have. And please keep me in mind for future stories. And maybe two days later, the editor wrote me back and said, we can wait. <laughs> you know, How about this date, which was totally doable for me. And so I said yes to that. And so I think that people forget. I mean, I certainly know when you're starting out. I felt like I had to say yes to everything, and that's shifting, obviously. Um, but certainly when you're starting out, you feel like you have to say yes, but there are lots of other things that you can say besides yes, and sometimes saying no is the best thing. What has been um, the hardest part so far? What would you say has been the hardest part of this journey? So one of the problems with being able to indulge yourself in all the things that you're passionate about is that you indulge yourself in all the things that you're passionate about. So creating those boundaries 
uh, is really uh, difficult. That was the, that was the toughest part for me at first. And I trust and believe. I thought I was I had everything all planned out and it was, everything was going to be cool. And you know, my last day was going to be this, and I was going to take a couple weeks off, and then I was going to start up with all this other stuff. And you know, things did not go as planned, and I just kind of threw myself into so many things. And you know, I was working more hours than I had been when I had a full time job. And I was like, wait a second, what just happened? Mm-hmm. How could I be working more? Like I, my last day was, you know, um, in April. I was like, how could I be working more in May than I was in April? But I was so excited to be able to do all the things that I loved. I hadn't figured out like what the symphony was going to sound like yet. So it was all the instrument. It's like when you first, <laughs> when the symphony, everybody's testing out their instruments at the beginning of the, of the, of the orchestra playing mm-hmm. and it's like this cacophony of all these things at full full volume and then there's quiet and then it gets then then they start to play the piece i was in that phase where like all there's the cacophony and everybody's testing out and plucking the strings and you know all those different things so the boundaries were um rough and tumble in that in those first like couple months but the nice thing about when you first start out is that you have all this energy and when you're passionate like we all know like when you're excited about the things that you're doing you find the energy for it right it's not this chore it's not like oh i have to it's like oh i get to do this now and now i get to do this um so working out the boundaries when i first started that was like that was the hardest part um and then i think a lot of people they fall into this little bit of a, a a pit where they are so passionate and they are so giving that they fall into this overgiving um uh you know kind of pit where and you you can overgive in a lot of different ways right you can overgive um by you know spending too much time on a client you can overgive by undercharging um a client but i definitely i knew that i was falling into this kind of like overgiving um phase when i first started out and just not putting enough kind of like work into the client's lap uh in order to get them to like start making some of the changes and doing some of the work so Boundaries and overgiving, those are the two things. Is there anything that you wish you would have known before you started? Um, your background isn't in business, right? Uh, and you started, now you are a business owner, entrepreneur. But overall, is there one thing that you say, hey, you know, I'm happy with everything and how things are going, but I, I wish I would have known this before I started? I'm going to say no. And not because everything went so perfectly or, you know, any of that. I'm just going to say it because I think that, or let me just speak for myself. I actually had the quote unquote luxury of building a runway um, to starting my own business and going out on my own. And even with all of the the time and the pre-work and the listening to the books and, you know, setting up systems and all this stuff before I actually, you know, made that leap, you know, there were still mistakes that I made. There were still things that went wrong. And I just don't think that having that idea of that perfect transition or that perfect, you know, first year of business 
is realistic. And I just, I can't look back and say, well, if only I had done X, or if only I had done Y, you know, things could have been so much better. Like it would have always been something. It's like in this, I'm a little obsessed with like sci-fi. And it's like when people go back and, you know, mess with the timeline. And so, you know, they say, you know. Oh, the, <laughs> so the, the butterfly, the butterfly effect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, so that thing didn't go wrong, but it would have been something else or something else or something else. And if we can just get rid of this, you know, I'm, <laughs> I always say to myself, perfectionism isn't doing anybody any favors. <laughs> and if we could just get rid of this idea of perfectionism, which holds people in this paralysis sometimes, not even being able to make decisions and move forward, if we could just get rid of this idea of perfectionism and be okay with making mistakes, be okay with that whole idea of, right, you either win or you learn, then we could, <laughs> we could be, like, so, so powerful. But we hold ourselves back with that. We think, oh, man, if I just hadn't done X or if I just hadn't done Y, it could have been so much better. So there's nothing. So I, I know that's not the answer that you were looking for, but that's the most honest answer that I can give you. And that's all we can ask for. Thank you. I, I feel <laughs> like we just had a mini coaching session just now at that towards the end. But uh, no, that was great. We appreciate that. Appreciate the feedback on that. All right. So that about wraps it up. Lenya, we want to definitely thank you for your time, uh, sharing your story with us and our audience, you know, just telling us how you transitioned, how you started. Tell our audience where they can find you at. Absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at Lenya Floyd. That's L-Y-N-Y-A-F-L-O-Y-D. You can also find me at my website, which is just lenya.com, L-Y-N-Y-A.com. And, uh, and I'm here for you, whether you're looking for life coaching or whether you're looking for media coaching, uh, we can talk more about what you need. Just DM me or shoot me a message. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure, gentlemen. See you again soon. And in the meantime, keep grinding. The Business Grind is for entertainment purposes. Opinions expressed are those solely of the host and guests. Please consult with a professional and exercise discretion before engaging in any business endeavors. I'm out here on the grind. I'm out here on the grind.